Welcome back, everybody, to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 256, dedicated to a man who, on September 14th, 1996 became the 13th player in Major League Baseball history to hit 50 home runs in a season. Mr. Mark McGuire. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we welcome to the podcast Mr. Stuart Brooking. He is the host of the Morning Brew with Stu. Stu and I have what I will call a therapeutic session as we kind of Share some frustrations with the Indianapolis Colts as the Colts just tied the Houston Texans after their game during week one of the NFL season. The Indianapolis Colts have a new quarterback in that, Ryan, a head coach, Frank Reich, who was in his fifth year with the team. And there were some holes that the team has on their roster. And tying in week one is nothing someone wants to do. No one ever wants to tie, but no fan ever wants to see what Colts fans witnessed on Sunday afternoon as the Colts got outplayed by the Texans, had to come back from being down 20-3, to then ultimately ended up tying the game because their kicker missed a field goal in overtime to win it. Stewart's here, I'm backing away, taking a trip to the great state of Indiana. Great, yes, that's where I am from, that's where I live. As Stuart Brooking joins us, to kind of have a little therapy session as him and I share some frustrations and discuss what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts. And joining us now here on the Jay Stevens podcast, it's my guy. I was on his podcast recently, wanted, re- wanted to return the favor. He does good work. It's Stuart Brooking. He is the host of the Morning Brew with Stu. Stuart Brooking, welcome to the Jay Stevens podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I'm I love coming on your show. Unfortunately, we're talking about a Colts game. Didn't go the way that, you know, we had, we'd hope. But I love being on your show. I love your work. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um, you're exactly correct. Week one of the NFL season is complete. Uh, we had a game on Monday night between the Seahawks and the Broncos, which was fun to watch. Uh, a, t- a nice, close game. Geno Smith, I think, surprised a lot of people with this play. But on Sunday afternoon, Stu and I were fixated, focused on – the Colts week one game, and I was actually on his podcast kind of talking about the Colts season, what I expected. I did not expect anything that happened on Sunday to actually happen. I trust Matt Ryan, but for a lot of the game, it just seemed like things were not going well. Colts got outplayed. I'll shut up with my analysis and what from what I saw, the observations I made. Stu, week one, Colts tie to the Texans, not win the game. What did you witness? What did you see on Sunday afternoon? Oh, let me start by saying this, Jay. For for a game to finish in a tie, it sure does feel like we lost on on Sunday Sunday afternoon. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I I go back and I, I said this to my wife. I said this to my my best friend after talking about the game. I said the Colts are gonna cut Rodrigo Blankenship either Monday or Tuesday. And they're going to move on and get a new kicker. But he was probably the seventh or eighth issue that the Colts had to take care of, in my opinion. But he's going to get the blame for a lot of that. And he's going to get the blame for the loss. And now I'm not saying he played great by any means, but I'm just saying he's he's falling on the sword for quite a few people there. Matt had a Matt Ryan had a few issues. I I felt like he looked better in the fourth quarter which is what we needed, what we didn't have a lot last year out of Carson Wentz, 
which if you want to talk Carson Wentz, we could talk that later too, because I'm starting to think maybe it's not a Carson Wentz or, or Jacoby Brissett issue, but a different issue. But, you know, I'm just tired of this, Jay. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of every single year we come out, look slow, look unprepared. Like, I don't know what they've what they been doing during training camp, playing Clue and Monopoly. Like, what are you doing? that you're not prepared and ready. I'm, I'm tired of it, Jay. Clue, Monopoly. It sure seems like that may have been some things that people may have said to describe what may have been going on in the offseason. Rodrigo Blinkenship was not the biggest problem that the Colts had over the weekend. I will, I will simply say that, yes, he missed a game-winning field goal. Yes, he had two kicks that went out of bounds. I will just – that, and it's, you, there's no excuse. Like, there's nothing you can say about those kickoffs to where you say, oh – that can happen. That can't happen. That's not allowed. You know that as a kicker, if that ball goes out of bounds, especially in that moment, you are going to get exposed and you're going to get uh, talked about, talked to on the sidelines about what's going on. Or you might simply be, simply be ignored because the team might be done with you after what you just did. But it wasn't all Rodrigo. I remember in the moment, and I think it was towards the end of the game, and it was certain moments in the game where I'm thinking, like, why are the Colts taking so much time in between plays to run the next offensive play? And I'm like, you have Matt Ryan. You have these guys. You have some speed. You know your issues at receiver. How about you try to, okay, five, six-yard, eight-yard game with Jonathan Taylor? How about just be back up and do it again so the defense can't figure out the things that they can do to stop you? No, we're taking our time, taking our time, taking our time. The Colts got outplayed over the weekend. And we have not said anything about Coach Frank Reich, which I think he is a big problem right now. You can even go back to Chris Bowden and talk about the GM and some things that he has done that to not get enough good players on this team. But the Colts losing to the Texans, I went on Stu's show and I said the Colts should win that game. I actually expected the Colts to win. I didn't expect the Colts to come back, being down 20-3, to and then come back and tie at 20. I didn't expect them to come back in overtime. I thought for sure, okay, they're playing for a field goal. It's an easy field goal. Should be a chip shot. No, that ball kept on going and going and going to the outside of the upright. I am confused. I know you're confused because Colts fans have been experiencing this same thing. To start the season, losing, now it's a tie. I don't really care. It's not starting the way Colts fans, excuse me, Colts players or coaches want it to start the season, that is. And, Stu, I understand your frustration, but I venture inside the Colts practice facility, those players are really frustrated because they, a lot of them probably thought they were going to win the game. Yeah, I, I guarantee it. And here's the thing. I was listening to the uh, Colts official podcast. You know, it's hosted by uh, Casey Vallier. He does the, the studio work during the games, those types of things for the radio. And Matt, or Matt Taylor was on there. Lara Overton, the guy who JJ Staines, I think is his name, covers the Colts for their website. And Lara said something very interesting. And, you know, she talked, she said she talked to some of the players, and the players felt like, you know, they just didn't execute. And it's right. They just didn't execute. And, you know, they feel like they're better than that. They feel like none of this was anything Houston did. And she said, you know, that's a positive because that means if you just fix it, then like, you, you know it's nothing they did defensively. But, Jay, I look at it like this, and, and she said – she went on to say, like, it's just one game. It's just the first game of the week. Look at every other game. The Rams got blown out by the Bills. 
and that's fine. But my rebuttal to that would be the Rams also aren't 0 and 8 on opening season games. The Rams don't always come out slow and look like a team that doesn't deserve to win games. Jay, coming into this game, the Houston Texans were picked to be a top three pick in the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tell you on Sunday afternoon which was the worst team on the field. And I'm glad, and I think the players understand that they shot themselves in the foot a lot. But I think the players also understand that they need to get get it together. And I think a lot of them understand maybe – and they're not going to say this, Jay, but I do think a lot of them question the man in charge. Are you talking about Reich or Ballard? Reich. I don't think many of them question Ballard, but I think a lot of them look at Reich in a way where they're like, I'm not sure if the game's on the line, this guy is going to dial up the right play in the right moment for us to win games. That also goes to preparation during the season. That's not just like in-game stuff. There's also preparation during the yeah. during the season, me, during the week. So I really wonder. Not only you mentioned the whole, you made some jokes, but really being kind of serious as well about what's going on at training camp and in and in the off season. What about the preparation between end of game on Sunday afternoon and to kick off on, or really once you get to the game day on the following Sunday? What is Reich doing? How is he preparing? What is he doing in the film sessions? How is he analyzing and assessing his own team's play week to week to week? Because honestly, at some point, you got to realize your preparation during the week might be bad. It might be an error in your ways. And that's what's leading to some of the issues we're seeing from the Colts under Frank Reich's leadership right now. But it might not all be just game day stuff. It could simply be his preparation is wrong. Nobody around him is telling his his preparation is wrong. Or he's being told his his preparation is wrong, but he's not changing his his preparation to get a different result on the field on Sunday. So I don't know how he's preparing. I will not be naive enough to say or be bold bold enough to say, I know how Reich is doing. I know how he prepares. I don't know that. But at some point, if we're getting the same result every single Sunday, and I say every Sunday, this isn't a week one thing for the Colts. The past four years under Reich, there have been issues, consistent issues under him. I truly wonder, how was his preparation during the week? Because if that's a problem, I clearly understand why there are problems on Sundays because the preparation is bad. Jay, he's been the head coach since 2018. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and now 2022. It's been five years, Jay. In those five years, we'll count four because this year isn't over. So in those four years, Jay, twice they have started the year off at a one in four mark. Twice last year and his first year at 20 and 2018. If it happens once with the Andrew Locke in 2018, it's understandable. Locke's coming back off the injury. It's a new head coach, new system, trying to figure it all out. You fought to bring in your guy, Carson Wentz, last year, and you started off one and four. You you bounced back. We thought, man, they're going to do like they did in 2018 and make this jump. They're going to get back into the playoffs. They picked up on Sunday afternoon where they left off in January. They picked up on Sunday where they left off in January. That's being unprepared, uh, not a well-coached 
undisciplined, not ready to play football team. That's where they were in January when they played the Jaguars. That's where they were on Sunday when they played the Houston Texans. If it doesn't get fixed, that's where they're going to be this Sunday when they play the Jaguars. That's where they're going to be next Sunday at home when they play the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Colts could walk in 0-3 heading to the Titans on, on, on week four. It's got to get fixed, Jay. It's got to get fixed. And I, I, it's got to get fixed. It does have to get fixed. The Colts cannot get outplayed like they did over the weekend. I know it was probably third quarter or fourth quarter. You followed me on Twitter, and I was tweeting some things my girlfriend was saying during the uh, Colts game. And at some point, she was talking about and just, just, just simply said, the Colts are getting outplayed. Now, those weren't her words. That's not a direct quote. But that was the summary of what she said. The Colts are getting outplayed. And that's true. The Colts were getting outplayed. It doesn't take somebody who watches football religiously and loves it like Stu and I do, or maybe you're just like a casual fan. You're popping in every now and then. You can quickly see with your own two eyeballs the Texans, who are not a good football team, outplayed the Colts. And right now, from what I've seen from the Colts, right now at week one, they're not a good football team. So I'm very, very confused as to be like, you mentioned the training camp stuff. We talk about preparation. How is it you go a whole offseason? And things seem the same. Like, it seems exactly like it did last year, week, what, 18 now it would have been when they played the Jaguars. Things seem the same. And that's where I come in, and I don't know. I'm not going to say, like, Bow needs to go. But I truly question if at some point, or maybe Ursa needs to step in and be like, look, y'all got to get this right, or your jobs are going to be gone. Because this is enough. This This is enough. Yes, I've said it on Stu's podcast. I'll say it here on mine. Colts fans have been spoiled. Spoiled, and you had Peyton Manning, you had Edron James, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, uh, Bob Sanders, Cato June, Dwight Freeney, Robert Matthews. The Colts got Colts fans have been spoiled. So they know what good football is. They had it for a very long time. Once again, even though they've been spoiled, Colts fans are intelligent, and they know, they have known for a really long time, this isn't right, this needs to be fixed. And I think at some point, Ursa has to step in and be like, y'all aren't getting it done. The fans, are not, not only are the fans not happy, I'm not happy with the results we're getting year in, year out, year in, year out. So y'all have to get gone so I can bring some guys in and can get the job done. I said it's still in your podcast. I'll say it again right here as well. Chuck Pagano got a lot of heat. I don't think Chuck Pagano was the best head coach in football. I don't know if he'll ever get another head coaching job. Ryan Grigson had his own issues as well, being the GM of the Indianapolis Colts. There's a reason why those teams have bet more success than they have under Reich. The Pagano-Grixon pair and the Reich-Ballard pair, there's a reason why the, that first regime of, uh, of uh, Pagano and Grixon had more success. It's not just because of the quarterback. Those players believed in Pagano. They played hard for Pagano. Yes, there were a lot of second-half comebacks, but they believed in their head coach. As you said it, execution, I don't know if these players believe in Reich. And that's a big problem as we start the 2022 campaign for the Indianapolis Colts. 100%, Jay. And listen, I've been a big, big Grixing, like, I guess, hater. Not yeah. really a hater. I call it more of a truther, I guess. Like, yeah. I, I like Ballard, and I think Ballard's a great drafter. I think he's done some great things. Yes. Uh, my problem with Ballard is, and it reared its head, and I think JMV made a good point on his show yesterday was – for those of you who don't know who JMV is, he's a local radio host in um, Indiana. But he made a good point that the Colts have a one 
and then like a bunch of fives. They don't really have a, a number two receiver, another three receiver, a number four receiver. They have like a number one receiver, Michael Pittman, and then about a bunch of a bunch of fives, maybe yeah. fours, depending on what happens. And that's been a spot that Chris Ballard has not gotten right. Mm-mm. The right tackle position. We watched Raymond come in in the second half because the other guy wasn't getting the job done. Right tackle position has been a spot Chris Ballard has not gotten right in his time as the GM of the Indianapolis Colts. I will say this. The thing I – listen, you can say what you want about, about Ryan Grigson. I've said it all. On Twitter, you, you want to see what I, my thoughts are, you can go on Twitter and look. But let me tell you this. Whether it's drafting Philip Dorsett, whether it's trading for Trent Richardson, whether it's signing Frank Gore, Andre Johnson, the one thing Grigson did that Chris Ballard has yet to do is swing the big stick. He's not afraid to swing for the fences and in hopes of hitting a home run and striking out. Chris Ballard would rather sit on his money, not spend money to bring in these big free agent, whether it be wide receivers, whatever, to help the team get where it needs to get to. And instead we draft guys like Alec Pierce, who I think Alec Pierce is going to have a – don't get me wrong. Like I think he's going to be a good receiver. I think he's going to have a good career, all these types of things. But it's clear, it's very clear – that this is not a guy who, right now, if if the game on the line is very reliable to make some catches. Like, he dropped the one that hit him in the hands. He should have caught. That second one, I'll give to Derek Stingley, great breakup. But that first one hit him in the hands. He should have caught it. And Paris Campbell, we talked about it on my show, the guy can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of question marks outside of Michael Pittman. There's a lot of question marks in this. And as far as Frank Reich, I think if this doesn't go this year, Reich's the first one gone. Ballard has a season. It doesn't get fixed. Ballard's gone, in my opinion. I think that's the order it will go, if you ask me. Because I think Jim Mercer has a lot of faith and belief and, and you know trust in Chris Ballard. Yeah, man, I got to give credit to Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley like you did. That breakup that he had in the end zone during a crucial point in the game, he was all over that route. And I've seen that play over and over and over between the point of Stuart and I recording and the, and the time that actually was live on Sunday afternoon. Derek Stingley was right on top of it. Pierce broke back in, but he had to not only fig, do his route, he also had to overcome a guy doing a phenomenal job of covering him in the end zone and Stingley – Broke the pass up. I mean, kudos to him. Bro, I yelled. I think I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I yelled, threw my hands up or something when Pierce dropped the ball in the end zone. I'm like, this is what you came here to do. Catch yeah. the ball. And it's going to be rare for you to get a pass right there to you. Both hands hit the ball for you to catch that. It's going to be rare for that to happen again because, as he saw, <laughs> there was a time he was over the middle. He got popped. There was a time in the end zone, as we just mentioned, Stingley got him like, this is the NFL. It's it in college. Those opportunities you get when the ball hits both hands and there's no receiver, no defender around you, you have a yard, a yard and a half bubble, those moments are rare. You need to capitalize on those. The bad part is, as you said, yeah, Michael Pittman Jr., who did a phenomenal job in that game, he is the clear-cut number one. I think a lot of Colts fans were banking on bringing back T.Y. Hilton, and I'm like, why? Like, I understand. That's, like, I saw. That's all I saw on Twitter was – T.Y. would have made that catch. T.Y. would have done this. T.Y. would have done that. Jay, I was a T.Y. guy last year. Yeah. But after watching him last year, dude, I'm with you, man. The guy can't separate. No. The guy can't do anything. 
I'm tired of hearing, oh, you should bring T.Y. Hilton back. Like, I get it. But, I mean, that's like saying we should bring Peyton back. Like, the guy's done <laughs> retired. We watched we watched him throw footballs in 2015. He couldn't throw it more than 15 yards. I will say this. I, I will say this about Alec Pierce. Um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a rookie. Yeah. He, you do. I will say, though, I yelled at my TV, too. And my favorite saying is when I watch people drop, I said I said the same thing to Christian Watson for the Green Bay Packers when he dropped that dime that Aaron Rodgers dropped to him is when you get paid to make those catches, there's no excuses. Right. Right. Like when you it. get like you're not playing high school ball anymore where you're going out there, you're just doing it for for the love of the game and all this kind of stuff. This isn't rec league football. This is I'm paying you millions of dollars to make a wide open catch. You got to make it. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a rookie, but it was his first game. But if this continues, we're gonna have some issues. You know, one thing we we, we haven't really touched on. We we've harped on Reich. Harp, we talked about Ballard. We didn't really spend much time talking about Matt Ryan or the defense. We, we hit on Matt Ryan a little bit at the beginning. Little Rodrigo Blankenship, the kicker who has now been cut because he had two, well, three bad kicks, two that were yeah. kickoffs, missed a game-winning field goal in overtime. Um, we he he got cut. They brought in. Uh, Chase McLaughlin, who was a retread, he's coming back to the Colts. I actually went back to the Wikipedia to see how many teams he's been on. I think a he lot. came into the NFL in 2019 or 18, whatever it is. He's been on like at least six teams in his short time in the NFL. We haven't really touched on Matt Ryan. Go ahead, Stu. I will say, I made a tweet out. I don't know if you saw it today. When I found out that Rodrigo Blankenship got um, cut was the Colts had a kicking problem in 2019. Yep. They lost several games due to Adam Vinatieri not being able to hit kicks. And I understand Adam was the GOAT. The Colts knew it, brought in Chase McLaughlin, and yet didn't turn to him. Right. I think this time that was in the back of their head and said, we can't do that again, so we got to cut ties early. I just wanted to – one last thought on the, on the kicking. Let's we can, we can talk about Matt Ryan if that's what you want to do. <laughs> no, you're right, though. You're exactly right. And I really wonder if that's a part of them uh... – bringing him back in and saying, we messed up once. We will not mess up a second time. However, they brought in two kickers. The second one escapes my memory, but they brought in two. They're both on the practice squad. One will be bumped up to the active roster going into the game this weekend. I got to tell you, Matt Ryan, new receivers, um, new team, new coach, new offensive coordinator, new everything, new city. I'm not really going to be overly critical of him right now because, like I mentioned earlier, the plays are coming in super slow, bro. And I think if you go more up-tempo, as Matt Ryan knows how to operate that offense in today's NFL, I think he would have been more successful. And I don't think he would have had 18 incompletions like he had over the weekend going 32 for 50, uh, 350-plus passing yards. I think he would have been had a better, higher completion percentage because more up-tempo, the defense can't get set. The defense doesn't have enough time to listen to their coach on the sidelines to get more stuff from them. I think the up-tempo stuff we didn't see from Reich, honestly, Stu, I think that would have helped Matt Ryan in his debut as QB1 for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think, a lot, listen, he had three mishandled snaps. One of them went was a turnover on yeah. uh, a turnover. That Those are unexcusable. I don't know what you and uh, Ryan, Ryan Kelly or – I'm pretty sure he was playing center for them. I, I don't know what you and Ryan Kelly were 
were doing in training camp. Well, but, dude, uh, some of those are some of those are shotgun. Like some of those weren't on Ryan Kelly. I think I know yeah, one of those was Ryan shotgun. Kelly where he said, just, he Ryan Kelly said that one was on him, and but there was a cadence issue, which still doesn't make sense. To, how's there a cadence issue? He hasn't been going over this all training camp. But I, I'm not going to harp on on Matt Ryan too much because I do think I understand he he bobbled those snaps, he dropped the shotgun snap, like, and he. The pick is not his fault. Let me let me tell you that. I've gone back and watched that that play multiple times. And when Matt is sitting there getting ready to throw the ball, the guy is engaged with the offensive attack. Correct. When he releases and is coming forward with the football, the guy disengages, hops right in the pass line, picks it off. That that was more on that defensive player made a heck of a play yes. than it was Matt Ryan kind of making a bad decision. Matt. I think Matt was the reason the Colts were able to come back towards the end. I think he showed great leadership, great those types of things. He needs to pick it, needs to clean it up a little bit as far as the mishandled snaps and stuff. I think he will because he's a he's a pro. But yeah, I I think I he played. I'm going to give him okay. I'm not going to say decent, but I'll give him okay. Yeah, and I think that's all you can ask for. Then when Stu so well described the issues that the Colts have at receiver. Those are going to hinder Matt Ryan in his debut. And you would not think a guy who has a number one and then like 4,000 number five receivers exaggerating <laughs> on purpose, you would not think you would have the yards. You, you would think you would have like, say, 24, 45 type of a performance. No, Matt Ryan, I think he played well with the players and the personnel that was handed to him. I think he played, uh, played okay. The thing I'm looking for now, I'm going to look at Ballard. Can you bring somebody in? I understand Odell Beckham Jr. I don't, is he still available? I, I think he is he still available. I think he is. Yeah. The question with him becomes how much longer has he got on that injury, though? And if you bring him in, like that's the issue. I think the Colts are looking at with him. I'm not even sure. I listen. I I know Colts fans want it to happen. And I told you this last week, like I'm a realist when it comes to the Colts and like, I'm, I'm also a big history guy. Like all my takes, I, I kind of base off of history and I say, yeah, I, I use history to back up my points and my arguments. And for me, I'll look at it and say, what has Frank Reich done or Chris Ballard done in his history that will, that will show us that he's willing to go out and spend money to get a guy like, a good point. like OBJ. A good point. My thing with Odell and, I, and you said, said it so well. My thing with Odell is that if he does come in, the Colts will not ask him to be the number one receiver. He's automatically the second option. And I think at this point in his career, especially coming off of an injury that he suffered in, I believe, the Super Bowl, yes, you don't want him to be your number one receiver. I don't think he can be a number one receiver right now. If he, if he is going to be, he's going to be on a bad team. And, well, the Colts are a bad team. But I do think <laughs> of him being a number, a number two receiver – is not bad for him. It's honestly it's a good spot. It's what he was in. A, it's what he w- was most recently, and it's and probably going to be where he's going to be the rest of his career. Is number two because I don't think he has the juices and the goods and the ability, the skill set left in him to be a number one. So if Ballard finds a way and gets out of his own way to bring Odell in, they go and they do the due diligence, the um, the medicals, and he passes all that stuff. He's able to practice and slowly acclimate him into. The, the Colts uh, Colts team, I am perfectly fine with him doing that with Matt Ryan as QB1. 
way more than I would have been if it was still Carson Wentz here as QB1 for the Colts. So I think there's a lot of pieces, quarterback, the the spot on the depth chart where you can bring him in. My biggest question is, it's not even really added to it, Odell, anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest Odell guy for a very long time. I wouldn't even say attitude so much. It's more the medicals. Does he pass medicals? And if he does, don't expect him to do anything right away for you. Stu, we talked about Matt Ryan, the receivers, all this stuff. Has your thought or projection or prediction for the Colts season changed after one game? Yes and no. I, I, I'm not as comfortable in saying they're going to get 11 wins. I, I'm not. Like, I mean, we talked about this on my show, Jay. How many years can you start off with a one and four record or a two and three record, two and four record, bounce back and become a team fighting for the playoffs? I, I don't know how many more years the Colts can keep getting off to these slow starts and keep doing what they're doing and magically at the end of the year be in a spot where they're fighting for a wild card position or or where they win the AFC South. I I I don't know. And I think this team has potential to be really good. I think this team has potential to be the AFC South winner. But I'm going to be honest with you. I just – I don't know, Jay. I don't know. I don't want to say one game is going to change my prediction. I also see a reality after one performance where a loss to Jacksonville is possible. A loss to the Chiefs is probably going to happen. And then you lose to the Titans. Now – if there is a game that they win, it's probably it could be Jacksonville next week. We're back to starting one and three. I say we as good. Stu and I are both Colts fans. Back to starting one and three, and it's not another uphill battle to potentially try to win the AFC South and then to get to, get to the playoffs. It's going to be tough, really, really hard. My prediction has not really changed just yet. Now I will say this though: I am normally not a fan of firing a coach in the season. Because if you do so, you're giving up. Some are giving up on the team. Um, unless you have an interim coach that comes in and he's like, hey, rah, rah, as fires the guys up and things like that. You could kind of see where if the Colts do this with them and fire Reich in season where it's basically like, hey, let's go ahead and try to get another high draft pick. Um, let's go ahead and, and uh, try and hold up shop. Season's over. I don't think Matt Ryan wants that. I don't think the players want to just do anything where you're giving up in the season. But there is a scenario still. We'll close it out with this. I'll give you the final word on this thought here where Frank Reich does get fired in the middle of the season because this is not the first time we've seen this story and this dance. We've said it once, said it a few times here on the show. We've seen it over and over. And at some point, Ursa might say, look, I'm tired of this. Bye. You're no longer coaching the Colts anymore because I'm tired of seeing this same dance, reading the same story over and over and over. Yeah, let me tell you this. Jay, I know you live close to Indianapolis. I'm not sure if you're actually in Indy or exactly where you live at, but if the Colts go to Jacksonville and lose in Jacksonville on Tuesday or on Sunday, I would stay away from 56th Street in Indianapolis on uh, on Monday. There'll be a so riot. Stu, still want to interrupt you really quickly. I live literally next door. I'm neighbors to the Colts practice facility. So for you saying that, I might have to go get away for a couple of days because there might be a fire yeah. at my neighbor's place. 100%. I, I, I'm dead. Like the Colts fans might riot. 
<laughs> I might riot. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not laughing. It'd be funny. No, he's right. Uh, Colts fans will be really fed up if they lose to, if the Colts lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A scenario where he may get fired if if they're zero and two, or they're zero one and one, shall I say? And it's zero and one and one versus the Houston Texans, who are supposed to have the number of probably the number one overall pick, and the. Jacksonville Jaguars, who had the number one overall pick last year. I don't know how he makes it past week two. I'm not saying he'll get fired week two. I'm not saying that. But, I I mean, at that point, Chris Ballard would have to talk Jim Mersey down from doing it because I think Jim Mersey would be ready to fire him, especially heading into Kansas City where it's like I would have more faith that the Colts playing Kansas City week six, seven, or eight. Yeah, and they do yeah. week three. They're going to get blown out. I, I, I've i already come to the realization that they're going to get blown out like the Arizona Cardinals did last on, on Sunday. And I, I just come to the realization that's what's going to happen. I'm just – dude, I'm tired of this. I I don't know if they get off to a slow start where, like, they're one and three or one and four that we – that there's a realistic scenario that come – January, Frank Reich still the head coach of this football team. Stu, this could very well be a situation where the Colts are like the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They fired the, the Nebraska just literally fired their coach yeah. after week two. Now it was Nebraska's third game of the year, but they did fire the coach after week two of the college football season where they did play. The Cornhuskers played in week zero. The Colts could be just like Nebraska, a team where, or I said it, should have got rid of their head coach last year, both Nebraska and the Colts. They kept him. Scott Frost wasn't the guy. He's up out of town. And now Frank Wright could easily be just like Scott Frost on the unemployment line of the NFL. Luckily, they'll both get new jobs and both make millions at the next salary. Like, I'm not worried about the, their paychecks, but you never want to get fired. I've been fired. You know, you know, no one wants to get fired at all. I don't like the thought of them getting fired. That's the nature of the beast, man. If you don't produce, if you don't win, if you're not successful, sorry. Your school or your organization will get rid of you. Stuart Brooking. I'm glad you're here. Look to have you back again sometime down the road. If you could let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter and also where they can uh, listen to your podcast as well. Yeah. For those of you who are watching the YouTube version, you can follow my personal Twitter um, at StuPock5 right there on the screen. But for those of you listening, it's at StuPock5. The podcast is Morning Brew with Stu. You can follow it online or on Twitter at at StuMorning. I do do stuff on Instagram, but Twitter is mainly where I, uh, I I do my work. But, hey, uh, yeah, my podcast is anywhere you can find podcasts. It's the Morning Brew with Stu. Um, this week I'm going to have Thaddeus Bell from the Off the Ball Network come on. We're going to pre – he's a Jaguars fan. We're going to preview the Colts-Jaguars matchup. And, you know, we're going to talk about it, talk about the streak, another streak that the Colts are going to try to, you know, cut into. And so, yeah, that's going to be coming up this week. And, That'll be a good show I'm looking forward to. I love having Thad on, and I, I love talking Colts football, and maybe maybe it'll be a different story next Sunday. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, dude. I love talking to this. I'm glad you gave me a, a space to be able to rant <laughs> other than my own podcast. So I appreciate that. Stu, it's my pleasure. I always enjoy having you on the podcast, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at jstevens 7 we want to try and do something different this football season, do a little um, look into teams. So I have a guest come on every now and then to talk about a team, their performance, what's to come throughout the rest of the year, trying to get some more guys, college, foot, 
college football, NFL, back and forth. So be on the lookout for things coming up over the next few weeks right here on the Jay Stevens Podcast. This has been episode 256 of the Jay Stevens Podcast. I will see you next time.